we go, Alan Freestone. Listen, first of all, seriously, thank you so much for coming. Two and a half hour drive all the way to see me. I feel honoured. I really you're, do. You're very welcome. Nice to meet you. <laughs> the cup of tea better be good. <laughs> That's pretty good. I hope it was worth it. <laughs> but um, yeah, just before I pressed the record button, you were telling me how you used to be in the RAF and you left because of the, you know, aftermath of 9-11 which I think is incredible because um, I actually had the opposite kind of reaction so when I was I was operating when 9-11 happened I went quickly into the coffin room saw the things I was shocked and I just felt like straight away it was like Muslim terrorist Muslim passport blah blah and I'm like oh for God's sake my team has let me down mm-hmm. oh my God this is embarrassing this is just shameful <laughs> oh my God so I joined the TA I was Captain Malik. Oh, very good. Because I felt very patriotic. Doing doing the medicine, not, yeah, not, yeah, not yeah. running around with a no, gun or no, something. No, no, medicine. I got to use a gun, though. I was quite okay. good at it. It's <laughs> funny, the instructor was like, have you done this before? I was like, no. He's like, you're very good. I was like, thanks. <laughs> but um, yeah, it was, it was actually the the squaddies who were telling me one day that 9-11 wasn't quite what it, it was about. The squaddies were the... yeah. Because they asked me why I joined and I was like telling them and they all burst out laughing and I'm like, nah, you need to look into number seven. I was like, number seven, what are you talking about? So I looked into number seven and I was like, what? What? And I started digging deeper and I felt disgusted, I felt cheated. And then, and then, and the squaddies were telling me, guy, you know, mate, the army's just a mercenary force for the globalist, you know, corporations. It's, this is not about the defense of the nation. Yeah. And I was like, what? Which you can kind of see at the minute with the, uh, with all the uh, people coming over on the boats and the, the state seemingly unable to stop them. And then they'll announce, oh, we're building some new submarines to protect the nation for four and a half billion pounds. It's like, what? Hang on a minute. You can't, what? <laughs> doesn't make any sense. But once you, or the aircraft carriers, that's, that's to project power. That's nothing to do with defense. It's not defense. It's power projection once you get it you're like oh i see and then you could you could choose to be a part of it and say okay i recognize we're a mercenary force let's not try and get on our high horse and pretend we're some sort of moral (laughs) moralistic you know (laughs) yeah yeah so what about um i was just telling you when you're talking you were doing this and so your mouth moves (laughs) sorry So what I was saying was, why did you leave the RAF? What made you go, right, I've had enough, I'm leaving? The, it, it, I was sl- watching the George Bush, Tony Blair reaction to 9-11 um, and the whole Afghanistan and Iraq thing. And I read the, the dodgy dossier, so I was sort of, uh, oh no, that was, I think, was that after? No, that was just when I was leaving. So no, actually, I was a civilian by the time I read that. Yeah. But I was, uh, I was just waking up to. Oh, I don't think we're the goodies. We had been fed, you know, um, reading books growing up about the Battle of Britain and all the rest of it, and defending freedom. And this was such a, a struggle. Thank goodness the the goodies won. Coincidentally, always win the wars, don't they? Yes. <laughs> yes. Um. So, yeah, I was like, hmm, okay, I can't do this anymore because I don't think we're on the right side. And that's played out. Look at look at the state of Iraq now. Well, the legacy media, you look, it's just, it's just, an, it's not even talked about. Or Libya, not even talked about. You, they've gone from these first world, highly educated countries with fantastic healthcare and law and order and all of that stuff. 
to just absolute hell holes. Uh, hell holes. Hmm. And what's funny is like, you know... Human created. Human created hell holes. And what's funny, the hypocrisy, you know, when... It, say you believe in the pandemic and, and, and all these COVID deaths were real and people are dying of this horrible virus and it's not just man-made, you know, the way um, we changed hospital protocols and medical treatments and that's what caused the, the, the harm. Mm. And, it, you know, locking down people, that wasn't what caused harm. Telling people not to go to hospital, that wasn't what actually caused the harm. And say it was a real virus and it was a killer virus. That's still a fraction of the number of people who died in Iraq. Oh, yeah. Fraction. Tiny, tiny fraction. Tiny. So the question is, are our lives more important and valuable than Iraqis? Because I think an Iraqi and a mum and a dad would say that their child's life is worth just as much as yours and mine. And I think the way our media, the legacy media, portrays the value of life and the worth of something you know, they just just throw out numbers. Oh yeah, a million Iraqis died. Oh well, it was a bit of a boo boo. That's the old Stalin quote, isn't it? Really? It's uh, I, I'm, I might butcher it, but it's like um, when you're talking about like it's a tragedy if you're talking about numbers in the thousands or whatever. As soon as you're in the minu- millions, it's just a statistic. It yeah. Stops having any meaning. emotional meaning, you know. But it's insane. Mm. Absolutely insane. Um, it's so sad. Anyway, it's funny. I didn't expect us to be talking about this because I asked you to come and talk <laughs> about homeopathy. But you talked about something else I really want to talk about, which is, <laughs> cover quickly, you talked about the boats and these migrants. Mate, you don't look like a typical um, racist. You don't look like, I don't know what, I, I don't know what, well. I don't know what typical racist would look like, but, um, you know, I'm expecting, you know, I don't know, something like a, yeah, you just don't look like a racist. So you look like a nice guy. So some people would say that's a very racist comment. These people need to be coming over in a boat and, you know, they're entitled to come here. They're fleeing these war-torn areas. We should welcome them. Do you not, do you not think we should be doing that? It's a, difficult, it's a difficult question because you going back to what we said earlier, if the UK state has, has destroyed their country, and now they're coming to the UK state to, for refuge. There is a moral obligation there on the UK state, <laughs> probably. Probably just doesn't shouldn't have destroyed their country. But uh, like I think a state is what would you call me? I'm not sure if I would call myself a libertarian, but a my politics would be leave me alone, uh, maximum freedom. That would be my that would be my um, motto. But I think states have to exist at the minute. So the state's role, I think, should be cut down to protecting the borders, uh, law and order, making sure the courts are um, are just. just. And that's about it. And they're not, and so they're failing. So the state is failing at a very, very fundamental, one of the only things that I think they actually need to be doing, they're failing it. So there's another quote I like, and it's like you you can have a you can have a welfare state or you can have mass immigration. You can't have both of those things. The mass just doesn't work. Yeah. So so you could say like you're like somebody's ancestors that came from here and have lived in poverty for centuries and gradually gradually worked their way up, and finally now we've got this welfare state, and finally we're decent, and then 
strangers are coming in and have the same right to the to the benefits that you or your ancestors worked for to get to get you to and the world wars that were fought to get you here. It just doesn't seem just to, to, to the average per, you know, to the sort of the working yeah, person. Yeah, yeah. You, know? you sound very libertarian to me. I'm libertarian. Yeah, I'm 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 pretty much there, but I but I I do see the need for a for a independent I think my concern with with complete libertarian and or let's say no state would be the strong being able to take advantage of the weak, you know. No, like, no, I get that. So I I don't believe in the idea of a government. So I, I was talking to Ed Griffin about this and it came out in the podcast on Monday and it was like he goes, look, the word government, it means governing you. Like, who wants to be governed? I don't want to be governed. So I'm happy with the idea of a state. And it is so tiny. And actually, exactly what you just said. You know, protect the borders. Stop the, the barbarians knocking at our doors and raping and pillaging. Um, provide law and order. And um, that's kind of it. Yeah, that's kind of my... It's kind of mine. <laughs> and and I subscribe to leave me the frack alone. Um do no harm and take no shit. You know? Yeah. Maybe <laughs> I am a libertarian then. <laughs> I don't know. Whatever you want to call it, but I think we're on the same page. Um and then in with regards to, you know, the boat people, like I don't think it is racist to say that you know, that I would say to people, you know, how many people then can we let in? Can we let the whole world in? Like, exactly. That's, like, that's what. Like they, seriously, if if you're gonna say it's okay for these thousands of people to come, okay, that's fine. And uh, why not ten times that? Why not a hundred times that? Yeah. Why not everyone? Yeah, why the, not everyone? The, Let everyone in. The here. conversation can't even be had because as soon as you try and mention it was deliberate. As soon as you try and mention that, it's oh you're shut down for being a racist. Yeah. So some people say, oh well, well it's very easy for you to say that you you're here now in this country. Well, I was born in this country, and my parent, my dad, and my mum were invited into this country legally. And my dad worked every day except the day he died. And he never took any welfare or anything. Mm. And he contributed to this country. He was just a teenager when he came. And he worked his ass off. And, you know, to say that's the same as someone who has thrown out their passport, come here illegally, and then working, you know, in the black market or taking welfare, that, no, don't insult my dad's pass and what all the efforts that he did because that's not the same that is not the same i agree and l let's say i wanted to move to turkey or somewhere i wouldn't expect anything from them you, you would be glad to be let in you wouldn't expect them to educate your child and give you free health care and give you benefits and pay for a house or any of that stuff you would be like oh great right i'm here mm -hmm. right i need to sort myself out now yeah anyway it's flipped so Probably there's something different. there's something weird going on. I'm not really sure what the reason for this mass migration, why they're allowing it, because they, they clearly are. But it could be they just want more heads, which they can then claim as GDP, or it could be voting. So there's that something you get... darker going on, because you look at all the countries <clears throat> where it's happening. It's the Western countries, America. Have you, I'm sure you've seen it. The millions that are coming across uh, the border. All sorts of places. I don't even know how they're getting to Mexico to to then get to America. Canada's the same. We're the same. The rest of Europe. I'm not sure about Australia and New Zealand. I don't know about them. But it seems like that it's it's Western countries that are being flooded. It's not it's not China. It's not Japan. It's not Argentina. You know, or somewhere like that. 
So I, I, there seems to be a very deliberate policy simultaneously in lots of different countries all at once. So what, what do you think is driving that? Well, one What's theory agenda? would be you're trying to destroy states that are sort of based on individualism. That that seems to we're just looking at the looking at the well. What's the what's the theme of those countries? They tend to be sort of the Anglo-Saxon in the past, uh, based on English common law. Um, people tend to be more individualist and less less collectivist. It seems to be those that that they're that they're targeting. So, wow, you have to, you have to look at the look at the pattern. You know, I've. Humans are pattern-seeking animals, aren't, aren't we? I think you've nailed it. You know, I, I had a conversation with Joel Smalley. I don't know if you've heard of him. He's got yeah. a great sub-stack. He does all the stats and talks about all the figures during the COVID pandemic. Very, very clever guy. And, um, you know, off-air, we're just having this lovely chat. And um, he was talking about the same thing, collectivism versus individualism. And mm. it's the exact same that Ed Griffin was talking about as well. You know, I think it's very, very simple. It's the right of the individual. And Ed was articulating it beautifully. Is He was like... It doesn't matter if there's a majority who wants something. You still need to protect the liberty and the rights of that one individual. That one individual should be allowed to do whatever they want. And the majority shouldn't be able to vote and dictate to that one individual. That's not freedom. Freedom is every individual. Um, and that's, it's all about, like you said, individualism, not collectivism, not for the greater good. Yeah, individual freedom as long as it doesn't infringe on other people or harm Abs other people. That's, Abs that's absolutely. A golden rule, isn't it? Simple as that. So that's how they're trying to sort of, well, they're coming at us from all different angles, but with this sort of 15-minute city things or the ULEs or whatever, their their argument would be, yeah, but your your selfish individual action to driving on that street is harming the collective, so that must be controlled. Yeah. So It's, all, it's, all, it's very da dangerous. It's very Soviet. Yeah. Very common. Well, it's dangerous because you can, you can justify anything. You can justify anything. 100%. Oh, we're on the same page, buddy. You haven't even mentioned homeopathy. <laughs> so I need to tell you about some biases, all right? I've, I've got some biases. So I grew up in a cult and um, I've left that cult. And the problem is, oh, you know, I just wasn't very happy being in that cult. And one of the things is you just want to reject everything that was ever associated with that cult. And there might be some good things in there. You know, because often it's very difficult to sell a cult if there's no good things. You need some perks to the membership. So um, one of the things that cult was very much into was homeopathic medicine. Ah. So I'm kind of like, oh, homeopathic medicine is, is associated with that cult, right? So I want to like slam the door on it. And then there's a second second reason, which you might find, find funny. Um, when I was growing um, as a child, I was very small, still am small, five foot seven, and my mum was worried, I'm not going to grow tall. And she said, I'm going to get you homeopathic medicine. This will make you grow tall. Well, that didn't work. It made you shorter. <laughs> <laughs> so my personal experience has been like, Rah. and then I looked into it and I was like, oh man. And you know, I've read all the mainstream stuff and it's like, it's like, this is quackery. This is absolute quackery. This is just hocus pocus, absolute nut job stuff. Mm -hmm. um, but listen, I'm on a journey. I'm open-minded. And look at this. I've got Ainsworth's, the first name in homeopathy, 42 essential remedies. So you can't say I ain't got an open mind. You're, uh, you're down the rabbit hole now. Is that bad? Am I, uh, is this worrying? 
No, that's brilliant. Maybe someone should report me to the GMC for this. <laughs> yeah. So anyway, like I said, look, I'm open-minded. I really am open-minded about everything. I, you know, I'm just exploring everything. I, th- I think it's really important, again, for freedom and liberty to be able to talk about anything and have a discussion and not have anyone censor you. And the censorship comes in different ways. And one of the ways to censor is to say you're a conspiracy theorist, you're a nut job, you're, you know, you're crazy. And that's just, a, that, that creates self-censorship. Yeah. You, you don't want to talk about it. 9-11 and homeopathy. Oh my goodness. <laughs> so listen, let's go back to basics. What the hell is homeopathy? So there was this German man back at the, at the very end of the 1700s. Uh, and he was a doctor and he, you've only got two hours, so I'm going to have to try and give you the short version. <laughs> and he could see that, and he was a genius. He was one of these polymaths. He could speak eight languages. He was, he had, an, he invented the, the book for the, for pharmacists to use to, to uh, basically correctly measure and keep their, uh, their drugs pure mm. that was still used up until the beginning of the 19th century, or the, sorry, the 1900s. Um, but he, he was a doctor and he was looking around and back then that was like given mercury and bleeding people and all sorts yeah, of things. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Bloodletting. Yeah, yeah. And he was like, this is barbaric. I can't do this. So he, he quit uh, and he had a family at the time and he was, and he was very poor and starving. So he started, but he still quit. What was his name? Samuel Hanneman. Samuel Hanneman. Yeah. Okay. And he, uh, so he started translating because he could speak these languages and he, was, he had a very uh, good brain on him. He started translating um, um, science and medical books into, into German and different languages. And he came across, one, one time he came across this guy, I think he was a, a, a Scottish um, doctor. Mm-hmm. And they were saying, we've discovered that Chichona, I can never pronounce the word, bark, the, the, the bark that they treat malaria with still today. Uh, the, this works, this, this fixes um, the ag because it is very bitter. And, and Hanneman thought, that doesn't make any sense. Uh, there's, I can name other bitter things, that doesn't help um, malaria. So, yeah. you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to take some and see what happens to me. So he, he, he got a sample of this, of this bark and he started taking some. And uh, he got the symptoms of malaria and then he stopped and it went away and then he took it again and he got, and he was like, okay, so the, the, that bark gives you the symptoms of malaria. So that was sort of this little, there's, there's other, this is a, a bit of an apocryphal, apocryphal um, story because he had probably also been exposed to the idea of light cures like in, in older books that he was reading as well. Okay. But he, he sort of demonstrated it on himself and he was like, hmm, maybe there's something to this principle of like cures like. So mm. you go to a homeopath nowadays w- with a fever and the homeopath would give you something to treat the fever that gives you a fever. Mm. So you're treating the fever with the fever, fighting fire with fire, as they say. Um, that's not the controversial bit of homeopathy because you can see that with some pharmaceutical drugs today. Like you'll give... They'll give um, stimulants to ADHD kids. So you're giving you're giving somebody you're giving speed to somebody that's hyper, and it's calming them down. And so, and it sounds like this guy Samuel Samuel Hanneman Hanneman he's similar to Culpepper, 
Um, Culpepper was, I don't know if you know Nicholas Culpepper. No, he is, yeah, yeah. So he was against the Gallon principles, you know, the, the humors and the, the humors and the Venus sections and all that kind of stuff. So it sounds like he was similar to that mode. He was like going against the grain because up until that point, all doctors were fully fledged members of that Gallon. Yeah, and it hadn't moved in sort of 1600 years or exactly. something. Exactly. Like something crazy. Mm. So, so he started experimenting with different substances and then seeing what, what effect it had on him. And then he, he went back to medicine and he started giving these things to treat that, the conditions. But he was still using material doses at this point. So it tended to be rather unpleasant and the symptoms were too strong. It was, the thing was having an effect, uh, like a side effects that were too strong. So he started diluting the, uh, the medicines that he was giving. And this is where the controversial bit of homeopathy comes in. He, he was diluting them and he was very systematic and he was recording all this. Um, and he found that the, they were becoming more effective as he was diluting them, but having less bad effects. And he went on going and going and going and going. Once you've, so if you sort of take a drop of something and, and, uh, um, you dilute it in 99 drops of, of alcohol, which is what he did. And then he was he was banging it, he was succussing it, uh, shaking this stuff up. Once you've gone through that process about six times, there's not a single molecule of the original uh, substance this, left in it. This is the criticism I've heard of homeopathy. They're like, it's how can it work? It's, a, it's, it's, it's true. Okay. <laughs> there is not a single molecule there. But then he went way beyond that. Um, so 30 times dilution. So that box that's they're all that's that's they've gone through that process 30 times um 200 times a thousand times you know they've kept on going um so there's so but the stuff was still working but then they didn't know they they weren't aware of avogadro's number they didn't know how many molecule or how many um what's avogadro's number you know the the, the number oh i'm not i'm not i'm not going to remember what the, what it is but it's the uh, for a a gram of sulfur, you, you would be able to tell how many molecules of sulfur oh. are in that gram. Dude, I'm so thick. So what's it called? Avo what? Avogadro. Avogadro number. So, so that's the, that's the um, anybody doing GCSE um, chemistry or, or, or science will be shaking their heads at me. I mean, I'm not remembering. How many carbon of... atoms are there in 12 grams of carbon 12? Oh God, what the hell? The number of units in one mole of any substance is called Avogadro. Avogadro's number or Avogadro's constant is equal to 6.022 blah 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 to the power of 10 to 23 so holy moly that's a lot there's a lot dude I'm so thick I didn't know that but if, but if you go on yeah so if you go more than six times that you're you're beyond Avogadro's number so there's no molecule of the original substance but he didn't know that 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 was discovered after they had the homeopaths had, dis, had discovered all this they were just using this medicine and it was working um so that's one of the criticisms of homeopathy. Um, and it has not been, in my opinion, it's still not been answered correctly. There's, there's no plausible mechanism that they have come up. They've come up with theories. Who's they? Homeopaths uh, or, or physicists or whoever you want to say. We need um, to say that you're a homeopath too. Okay. Aren't yeah, you? but I'm not. I, I, what I mean is that, that there's, there's there's groups that are researching this. So there's a there's a, an organisation called the Homeopathic Research Institute, run by a guy that I studied with. I think he was near above me, uh, 
Alex Tournier, and he he's a French guy, and he did a he wanted he, he set out his life mission is to prove is to explain how homeopathy works and prove it, and uh, so he did he did his degree his undergrad in uh, France, then he learned German because he wanted to go to Heidelberg to study his, his PhD was in biophysics, and then he moved to London and then he studied homeopathy. So I I met him when he was uh, studying in London. Smart so, guy, smart guy, and he's so he's on this. Mission, a mission on a, on a tiny, tiny budget. You know, they're they're like not enough money for pens. You know, it's just it's not it's just yeah. ridiculous. Yeah. Um. <clears throat> so he's. Uh, so what I'm trying to say is, I, I don't make any claim to be able to explain the mechanism of action. But as a practicing homeopath, I, I can observe that it's working. So no, no homeopath out there can actually definitively say this is how it works. Oh, there's lots of explanations. But I'm saying, as far as I'm concerned, they haven't. Okay, okay. So a lot of people give reasons, but there's no actual scientifically proven, yep, this is why it happens. Exactly. Exactly. So there was a... a, That's good. There was a controversial uh, documentary in the 90s, I think, called The Memory of Water, which you you may have heard about. So this was this uh, famous um, French... Uh, I've forgotten his name now. Uh, famous French uh, scientist, and he was on the on the track of, of going. Oh, he was going to be awarded a Nobel Prize for other stuff he had done. He was a very very clever guy. And he mate, was, can I just say something? I, just, I need to pause there for a second. That doesn't mean Jacks. No, no, no. Because you know why? Nobel Prize for me as a kid. I used to look up Nobel Prize, and then they gave Barack Obama the Nobel Prize for peace for, before before he was in or the days. <laughs> <laughs> he didn't even do anything. Yeah. Well, he bombed a lot of ch- children. So he bombed ten yeah. times as yeah. many people, um, um, ten times as many flights and, and drone attacks as George W. Bush. That's right. And this guy who won a peace prize. And did you see the? And did you see the Nobel Prize winners this this week or last week? The the two with the masks and the, on the. Okay, okay. So we need to confirm. I knew that the masks were from the Japan award, so it's from last year. Oh, is it? A, is it not? It's is it not, not a recent one. Oh, it's not a that. recent one. Know that. So they, yeah, these two scientists won the award for medicine, Nobel Prize for medicine, for developing the mRNA COVID vaccines. Holy freaking moly! Like, talk about an upside down clown world inversion, hey? But Dr. Malone, the one that actually invented the technology to. For those vaccines, doesn't he's he's ostracized living yeah. on his farm somewhere because he's because he's you know he's criticizing it. But yeah. but but that that picture is still valid. Well, I tell you why because that that picture is from twenty twenty two, if I am not mistaken. Okay, I haven't. I, I just so, saw them. I just so saw the them. vaccines had been out. So I would say still, it doesn't matter if it was this year or last year. The they vaccines already, they were already out. knew knew how effective they were. Yeah, <laughs> if your vaccine is so goddamn effective, why do you need to wear a mask? I mean, you could actually go back further. You could say, you could say, if the masks are so effective, why do you need to social distance? Yeah, it's a you're in a. And if if the masks and social distancing work, why do you need a vaccine? And if the vaccine works. Why do you need a third booster, fourth oh, booster, it's fifth all about booster? Mitigating, mitigating risk cuts. And if and if they all, all these boosters work and the vaccine is so freaking amazing, why do you still need to wear a mask? I mean, it just goes round and round and round. It's just you know, just imagine you know having that product that has to be mandated to take it for a disease that you need to be tested to know that you have it. I mean, ah! and if there's any side effects of that product, you're not liable. Yeah. <laughs> um. So this, Sorry, this, we digressed. Uh, that's okay. So this 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 French guy, so he was running this 
prestigious institute. Uh, th- that's the reason I mentioned the Nobel Prize thing. Because yeah, yeah, it, was, yeah. it was a callback to that in a minute. Um, and one of his research assistants came, and I can't remember what they were doing, but she had she had discovered that we they were having a she had mistakenly put in a really really tiny. In fact, there was no not a molecule of the substance into their whatever test whatever test they were doing and it was having a, a biological effect so uh she took it to him and he was like well that's nonsense do it again and it happened again and he came back and said well that can't work do it again so they did it multiple times and they were still getting this effect so he started researching this ben Vinice, that was his name so he started researching this so he they were talking about the memory of water so that it was it was like the the dilution and the and the banging was causing some sort of structures in the water and it was the structure it wasn't the molecules it was the structure created that was then imparting some sort of information that was having a biological effect that's what they were mm. that's what they were arguing well, i mean the thing is i've only just recently found out about the fourth state of water which is a real thing have you heard about the fourth state of water is is this the, it's like the colloidal kind of like you get this it's, a, it's just a different is this the is this sort of uh, connected to these the Japanese people that have taken loads of photographs of water in different states and they're uh, no, no I don't know it's different. I, I think it's different know. but it's definitely there, there is definitely something for state of water which I didn't know about it's real um, and um, so it might be connected to that but that's I, I, I was just saying so at the end sorry going back to my callback oh so the, now, let me just explain the for state of water so water absorbs infrared energy freely from the environment it uses that energy to convert bulk water into liquid crystalline water, also known as a fourth phase water. Hmm. This sounds similar to. It's interesting, isn't what it? The, the, these people are talking about, yeah. So, so Panorama heard about this. You know how you know how uh, Panorama. Honest, you know how Panorama. Oh, you know yeah, how, you know how, You know how honest and uh, and impartial um, the BBC and, and and Panorama are. So I think it was Panorama. It was one of them. So they the went over. brainwashing corporation. Yeah. So they went over and uh, and to, to to investigate this, and it turned and and then it was revealed, you know, on the Panorama program, we were not able to uh, replicate any of any of his tests. And then it turned out years later that they had deliberately sabotaged the um, the samples. So they had poisoned the samples, so of course they were not going to get the. So that was him. That was his reputation destroyed. Who who poisoned it? The the panorama team that had gone over there, they, they, they deliberately they deliberately sabotaged so that there was oh. no way this would have reacted because they go with a they go with an agenda. So yeah, they, yeah, hundred percent. So he ended up his he died young of of a broken heart, probably you know a heart attack or something. And at the end, he was in a porter cabin in the car park of his the institute that he used to run. He had just been his career had been. Poor guy. Mm. What's his? What was his name? Ben Veniste. Ben Veniste. How that's all. That's a. That's a. That's a. Oh, that's a surname. That's not that's, his first name's not Ben. <laughs> how, and how long ago was this? Maybe nineties. Maybe he died in early two thousand. Something like that. My. Uh, when I when you get as old as me and the the, the um the years fly by. So. <laughs> oh, so I'm totally like uh, I just looked it up the Ben Veniste affair. Was a major international controversy in 1988. Oh, that long ago, 88. Okay. When he published in a scientific paper called Nature, describing the action of very high dilutions of anti-IG antibody. Oh, there you go, buddy. Wow. So we're talking in theory here, but but, yeah. but what I do is 
practical. <laughs> <laughs> so, but but I haven't been able to give you the, the, the mechanism of action because I, I we don't know yet. I say we. Um, I don't have a problem with that. Listen, look, there's a lot of things I don't know. I, you know, people come and see me in clinic. Well, they did before I got suspended. And uh, I need to laugh. I need to laugh. I was talking earlier about how my mood goes up and down. I'm trying to stay positive. So basically, um, um, quite often patients will say, why does this happen? Why does this happen? I'm like, look, I can give you a bullshit answer. I can just put my hands up and say, I don't know. Mm. And I'm quite happy saying I don't know. And I, th- I don't think there's a problem with that. So I, I our, la- our I knowledge is it. lacking, you know, and, and, and today we don't know, but tomorrow we might. You know? Yeah, yeah. I'm I'm okay with it because I've observed the reaction. So I'm like, yeah, I know this works. So I, I explain it like a, it's like a little packet of information. So you're not actually, that's what's in those little pills in your box. It's They're just giving the body a little packet of information. And if it's nonsense, if your body doesn't need it, it'll not do anything with it. So if you just take a random pill from from that, nothing would happen. Uh, on the other hand, if you nail it and get a, and get a really good uh, remedy for the particular symptoms that that person has, you'll see the the symptoms resolving. So that's listen. That's a really really powerful point you've made there. And so again, coming back to patients coming to me in clinic, Alan, they say to me, "Oh, what what if I tried this? What if I tried that?" And I said to them, Look, "I don't mind you trying anything that isn't going to cause you harm." What's to lose? Try it. You know, if you want to do acupuncture, do it. You want to do homeopathy, do it. You want to do physio, do it. But when you start talking about certain interventions, medical drugs, Mm. injections, they are not as they're currently labeled safe and effective. Everything carries risk. So from my understanding, please correct me if I'm wrong, homeopathic medicine has no side effects. You, You can't like get sick on any of this. You might, you might say I'm wrong there, but there's no real harm. If- it's just a packet of information. Right. Now, your body can certainly react to it. So you could throw a fever, but it's your body mediating the information in that little pill. It's not, it's not, a, it's not a drug action. So that's what I mean. So it's not like an extrinsic thing that will actually potentially cause harm. No. You know, because there's no intervention medical that I know that I can tell to my patient 100%, you know, that's risk-free, 100% safe. Even, you know, taking steroid shot, people can say to me, oh, can you do a steroid? Can it carries so much risk. Mm. And they don't know it. They just think, oh, it's just a benign little injection. I'm like, no, no. <laughs> and sometimes the problem with these complications are they can be permanent. Mm-hmm. So for, you know, a temporary problem, you offer a solution that might have a permanent problem with it. So that's yeah. fine. So that's why I'm, that's why I'm, I'm I am I'm not worried about people taking homeopathic medicine, even if I don't understand it or I hundred percent might not believe in it. I mean, I'm still sitting on the fence, I'll be honest. It's okay. Um <laughs> I, I, I'm open to it because I just think you're not gonna do yourself any harm. Yeah. The worst is it doesn't do anything. Uh <laughs> so when I was in the Air Force, I uh, yeah, you have a loads of injections loads of vaccines, um, because they can send you anywhere at a moment's notice. So you get all the normals and yellow fever and Japanese encephalitis and all sorts of um, tropical um, bad stuff. Um, so I had that going through basic training. And then let's say nine months later, eight months later, I ended up with an autoimmune reaction. Oh. And uh, so this was pre being a homeopath. And uh, I was passing large quantities of blood. Uh, I was peeing out bits of blood. 
Oh shit! I my knees swole up massively. I couldn't stand up straight. I was like hobbling around. I had like an arthritic reaction in my knees. I had sort of a big rash in my neck. Uh, I had chronic fatigue symptoms. Um, I had no idea what was happening to me, mm. and the medics were completely useless, as you can imagine. Well, there's no. They wouldn't even connect the two things. That, that, they're not very good at connecting. No, but they have been so. But if it would destroy your career, would you connect the vaccine? To, but it, yeah, I didn't at the time. It was it was quite a long. You know, it was months afterwards, and uh, I went to um, multiple consultants, and they took liters of blood out of me, and they could never find anything. All they could t- say there was there was a reactive arthritis. That was mm. that was it. <clears throat> and and I didn't. Uh, so I was stuck in a in a in an office sort of um, medical sort of downgrade for a few years. And eventually, I had to lie to them and say, "Yeah, yeah, I'm I'm better now." I wasn't. I still wasn't. I was I was better than I had been, but I was still. My knees were painful. I still. My energy was still wasn't great. And then years later, I was studying homeopathy, and we were doing a um, a lecture on vaccine damage, and. Uh, the, the the lady at the, I can still see it in my mind. The lady had uh, like a PowerPoint. We were still in PowerPoint in those days, and uh, she, she was going through all the, these are the possible things that can happen as a, a vaccine reaction. And I was like, I had that, I had that, I had that. Oh, that's what I had. <laughs> so so I went to a homeopath, and uh, so I was training to be a homeopath before I had even ever experienced it. I I, I had read a book on. So the, Excuse me. The, the book that was written by um, Samuel Hahnemann, the, the founder, it's called The Organon of Medicine, and I read that as a teenager, and I was like, "Yep, this guy's right." <laughs> first page from the first page. Wow. Uh, and uh, so I was, I had theoretically got homeopathy, but had never experienced it myself. But which is people couldn't believe because everybody else in the class had, had come because they had some amazing reaction, or their kid was their eczema was fixed, or you know something like that happened. So uh, so I went to a homeopath for the first time and she gave me a, a, a remedy called a carcinosin and all my symptoms came back uh, temporarily. Uh, so my knees swole up again. I got this. I was passing blood for a short time and then uh, I got better. So my energy had never been right since since the, the incident. My energy went better and my knees, I could I could maybe... I could maybe do two runs or you know exercise twice in a week, and then it was achy, and I couldn't really do more than that. It's fine now; it's fixed. Um, so when I had that powerful reaction myself, I was like, "Okay, yeah, <laughs> this is a this is a powerful thing," you know. Yeah. So and that sort of, and then I ended up specialising in when I qualified. I ended up specialising in autism deliberately because I so I treat a lot of uh, vaccine injured uh, kids but um, and I have experience of it myself and I think if I had if I was in born in America now with the number of vaccines they're given uh, I'd be in trouble I think I probably have the genetic mutations which means I'm not as good at, at detoxing um, certain things I think I would be predisposed to be autistic if I was given the the, the whole the full whole, schedule the full schedule which is massive yeah 50 or something no no I think it's more it's 70, it more 70 or 80 oh, now. I can't even Dude, it's mental it's mental so uh, where was I where was I going with that so oh yeah you're so, treating autistic kids so I wanted to do something <clears throat> deliberately because I'm, I'm always I've always been very uh, conscious that 
I don't want to have results that can be wishy-washy and explained away. You know, I could treat some some lady for depression and she comes back and says, oh, yeah, I feel much better. Hasn't really. OK, could just be talking to me, could just be time, could be other lots of other things. Doesn't necessarily mean the, the, the homeopathy did anything. But when you go from a severely autistic kid to recovered or to talking or to they don't flap anymore and he's now having a conversation with me. You can't, well, they shouldn't be able to deny it. So they're just ignoring me rather than denying it. Um, so the results I've had are pretty dramatic. And not just me, other people practicing the same way as I do have been pretty dramatic. You know, I've I've seen just under 2,000 uh, cases now. And it's unusual to not see good results over over time. It takes time, but over time it's it's unusual when nothing happens at all, you know. So that's so my answer. That's so my hold answer. on, have <laughs> you written about any of these? Have you done a case series? Have you got the data and, you know, try and write it up and present it anywhere? Because, you know, the traditional doctors and scientists will say, that's just hocus pocus. He's just mapping off. Where's the evidence? Show us the study. You know, have you, have you done anything like that where you've just collected the data and you can present this kind of stuff? I've collected some data in a in a in a not in a not in a systematic way. I've I'm just so overwhelmed. I'm just so busy the whole time. Um but the problem with that is I've I've had cases where I can think of two in America and they completely recovered and the mum took them back to a pediatrician and he said, I don't know why this child has, has autism on there. This child does not have autism. Uh and uh, the mums, both times it was like, you, you, you diagnosed them. Uh, so their answer to that was, oh, uh, it must have been a misdiagnosis. So it's just, even if it's presented, it's just, it's just denied. So how, how do you measure it? You know, so, because they don't even, especially in the NHS, they don't even, go on, I'm talking, you, you ask, ask, ask me a question. No, no, I just wanted to ask, so like specifically, you know, if someone, because autism is a spectrum, you've got, Kids that you know have got mild symptoms and kids that can't talk, no. um, and I, you know I think there's a lot of gut issues as well with these kids. I mean, how how are you treating them? You know, what are you, what exactly is there something in this box that you're giving them? Um, do you treat anything else in their diet, their lifestyle? Because Natasha McBride, I don't know if you've ever heard of her. I know a gaps she, diet. She talks about gaps diet. Um, are, are you blending in any of that? How how does it work? Well, like what what is it you're actually prescribing and treating? Mm -hmm. Um. So usually when they've come to me, they've already been through the what they, they call it biomed. So whether that's diets, nutritionists, some enlightened doctors, very little. I'm not even sure if it even exists over here. Certainly in America, there'll be some enlightened doctors. So sometimes they've they've come to me and they've done let's say like a stool sample test or an organic acid test or something like this and and you can tell oh wow you've got really high levels of clostridia or you've got you know too much yeast or whatever it is um so usually they've already done those things um when they've come to me and then I get other people when and they haven't done anything they're just like oh no I, my friend had good results with you. I don't know anything about homeopathy. We haven't done anything. We've just been to the NHS. Um, so I have to, I'm sort of, I'm treating people and they're coming 
and different stages. You know, I don't have a, I don't have a clinic. You're just, you're just talking to me. I don't know. How, I don't have any resources. I don't know how much money they have to do tests and things. So I, I try to meet people where they are when they come to me, if that, if that makes sense. So sometimes you can see there's a clear, how do I say it? Okay, I'll go a different way. So you could have a gut thing going on and there's clearly problems with the kid's gut. So maybe there's, they're distended, they're passing undigested food. You know, there's clear, clear evidence that there's problems with their gut. They Sometimes they have, they have solved that with uh, um, diet, other times by doing some sort of biomedical intervention. Or sometimes I will treat that using homeopathic remedies. So you, you can sort of, sometimes people are already addressing it and other times I will address that so the gut what, thing. what about the actual autism, the developmental, the, you know, the, the whole cognitive issue? How do you treat that? What, are, are you giving a, a standard, typical, same homeopathic medicine? Like here in this box, there's something like 30 or something, 42. You know, is there one particular one that works or the autism one? Uh, yeah. Is there an autism one here? No. So if you went to a, a, a classical homeopath in um, India, so India is now the sort of the home of classical homeopathy. There's hundreds of thousands of, of homeopathic doctors over there. Uh, they would give you something, pr probably they would give uh, something that, uh, like a protocol for um, autism. So there'd be a few remedies that, that would come up over and over again. I started when I first specialized, I, I was, I tried that and it didn't work very well. Um, because I think most autism has been caused by something. I don't accept that it's a, Oh, it's just how they are. And we just didn't diagnose it in the past. Yeah. I don't, I don't subscribe to that because you look at the, you look at the, well, you look at the provision for, for kids with special needs. It's collapsing all over the country, well, all over the world actually, because no matter how much money they're money they're putting into it, the amount of kids that are that are needing um, help has is going exponential. So that would say to me, there's something environmental here. This isn't this isn't for sure genetic for sure. And I'm not even saying it's vaccine. I'm no, saying no, I'm, I'm, I'm not, saying I'm not saying it's vaccine either. Hundred percent. I'm just saying something's not right. I don't know what it is, but something's driving this and, and it needs to, even, and, and it needs to be looked into. You can't even have that conversation. So don't even talk about vaccines. You can't even problem. have that conversation in the legacy media or NHS. You NHS, just have to accept that it's natural. It's always been this it's way. A lifelong, it's a lifelong medical condition that has no treatment. That's, yeah. That's the, it's, it's a lifelong condition that's got no medical treatment and yeah. it's, it's always been like this and we're just yeah. better at diagnosing yeah. it. I, I'm sorry, I call that BS. It's complete. Absolute. It's complete BS. It's gaslighting. It's BS. What makes me mad, one of the many things, uh, like a pediatrician must see mums. Like the number of mums that come to me, it's usually the mums I talk to because the, the, the dad's usually more sceptical. Um, that have, we'll come back to vaccines here, I'm, but I'm not saying it's always vaccines. Um, and they've had a, the kid has, has been meeting their milestones and then uh, they've had a series of vaccines and then something's changed. And now he's toe walking. He started flapping. He's lost his eye contact. He's, he's no longer talking. And they've gone back to the pediatrician and they've said, I think, uh, I think it was the vaccines. And the pediatrician denies it. 
and and it doesn't get recorded as an adverse reaction either. Um, so the data is nonsense. Um, but that that pediatrician must hear that that over and over and over and over again. How can you not think maybe there's something to this? And they even sort of say, "Oh, it's just regressive autism. It's just oh, it just happens." It doesn't make any logical sense to me that some kids developing normally, talking and having a conversation, you know, aware all the all the rest of it, um, and then suddenly and they lose everything. Mm. It doesn't. It's like oh, it's oh, it's regressive autism. Oh yeah, that just happens. That's that's their that's their that's BS. That's not even a di- diagnosis. No, that's that's a BS diagnosis. That's absolute that's- nonsense. So the NHS is particularly bad. I would say. They're completely closed to it. Okay, so let's go back. How are you treating these people? Sorry, sorry. Or is it, are you just keeping this a secret? No, no, I'm I'm trying to figure out, like, so what are you giving these people? There's a, I'll tell you, there's a book that was in the the hippie time in the the 60s in America, and it was called Steal This Book. And it was basically a book encouraging (laughs) you to steal it from the shop and telling you how to get free stuff and stuff. I, I really like it. I think it's really subversive. I think it's really funny. Uh, So I'm, I always say that I've, I've given loads of, talks and podcasts and and written uh, to, to other homeopaths uh, explaining exactly what I'm doing it's like here you go steal my book you can this is what I'm doing go and do it um steal my book <laughs> um but so, it's a win-win because what happens is you have credibility you you are an authority people respect your knowledge and will want to come to you so it is a win-win sharing knowledge is always a good thing yep. hoarding knowledge Hoarding money, hoarding, being possessive, being being tight with everything is just not good. Being generous is a good thing. That's just the way I live my life. Yeah, and it, it comes back to you. It's just an energetic yeah. thing. It just comes back to you. Energy. I'm into yeah. energies, by the way. So, yeah, you're asking me how, how I treat it. So, classical homeopathy is what I described earlier with it, like yours, like. So you look at somebody's symptoms and you're trying to find a remedy that has that causes those symptoms. In it, that's it. Um, but that doesn't tend to work very well with these kids. So, still using like cures like, what I moved to was looking at the cause. So, if somebody, uh, so let's not talk about vaccines. Let's say something else. Somebody moves into a mouldy house, and it turns out they have certain genetic mutations which makes them susceptible to mycotoxins in their in their body. So it might be their brother, perfectly fine. He's able to deal with the, the, the spores and get rid of the toxins. Um, but this kid's not. And then they end up regressing into autism. There you go. There's, a, there's an example. <laughs> and I haven't mentioned vaccine. Um, so what you could do in that case is you instead of giving a, a remedy that, that matches the symptoms, you would give a remedy made from the toxin to stimulate the body to remove that toxin. So in this case, it would be mycotoxins. So toxins from molds um and what's beautiful about it is if it's wrong nothing happens because it's just a little packet of information so if i'm and i'll i'll get it wrong often where i think well this is the most likely thing i think this is going to be let's give you this and and come back and see me in four weeks and nothing happens. okay so let's go back to vaccines if that's a toxin how are you giving that so the remedies are made from the vaccines um, diluted, so there's not a single mole. So, the, so where do you where do you get those vaccines from? To you can get, get it you... from any homeopathic pharmacy. There's half a dozen in this country. So 
they they have they, they have got a a license a licensed pharmacy so they have bought the vaccine from the manufacturer and then it goes through the process of being turned up to a render so right so the little packet of information in that case let's say MMR is just saying hey you have a problem with that vaccine mm. you need to do something so you're stim- so you're as i'm saying the body then mediates that so if it's if it's not that nothing happens if it is that and the body's got enough energy they will show physical detox reactions to that okay to that vaccine. that's amazing right next question so in this little box right put the camera on me so in this little box i had a look there's little vials and i don't know how many Little balls there are, the little ping pong 30, balls. 30 or so on those. 30, right. There's 30 little ping pong balls. So how many of these would you have to take to get cured? Or do you have to take this every day for the rest of your life? How does it work? So it's certainly not a take a one pill and that's it. You're fixed. It's a, it's a process. Um, so the protocols that I would use, we go through different strengths of, a, of whatever you're detoxing. So I've had loads, as I was saying earlier, I've had 2,000 cases. So you see the same, you see the same patterns coming up over and over and over again because it's the same causes. Um, I have never had a case where, even when it's really black and white, where literally the kid's perfect pregnancy, perfect birth, meeting all the milestones, just, just thriving, and then they have the MMR and probably a couple of other vaccines on that day, and then lights out. So Dude, I've, I've stop. That's me. I know someone very close to me, normal child, bright as a button, we'd laugh and joke with her and just months old, following her gaze, smiling, had the shots, boom. There you go. Gaze wouldn't follow us. There you go. GI problems, not, you know, then they had to have medicine because of the, the milk wasn't coming up, it was coming up. Everything, something changed. Yeah. It, it was not right. Yeah. I'll go back to that because... I yeah. might ask your help for that there's one. Several, yeah, that's okay. There, but there's several... Um, Several possibilities there, but what I was just going to say was, um, I've never had a case where I've done that detox and the kid has returned completely to where they were before that. You'll get nice improvements from that detox usually, but there's always other stuff that needs to go. So I think of it more like the kid; they were holding it together, holding it together, but there was things there, and then that was just the final assault when the body couldn't cope anymore and and, and it breaks. And then you get the autism starting. So it's never sort of, oh, take this MMR pill. Oh, you're better now. It's more like, okay, uh, we think it's MMR first. So we'll do that for four months. And hopefully we'll see a really nice improvement. But they're still going to be on the spectrum somewhere. And then we then look at the next stuff, right? What else is going on? Well, the mum was taking, I had a case recently, and the mum had been taking Sudafed, you know, the uh, um, Mm. uh, anti-congestant. For mm-hmm. twenty years before before she got pregnant, and uh, and I had already done the vaccine detoxes for her kid, a little girl, and we had seen improvements, but not not dramatic, a bit, but not dramatic. And I just as a test, because these are just little packets of information. As a test, I was like, I I've never done this, but I would like to try Sudafed detox just to see if it is that. And like stuff came pouring out of her. The tool walking stopped, the flapping stopped, the eye contact came back, the speech came back. It was really, really dramatic. It was like, oh, that was the mum Sudafed. At the minute, how would you ever be able to measure Sudafed damage or Sudafed toxicity? I don't think you, I don't think we have the we have the technology to do that. Um, 
so yeah, I was just going to go back to, let, so let's take that case you were talking about where she, she regressed after that. I don't think there's just one thing that, I think you can have, let's say there's three kids and they all, they all regressed after MMR, so even just nail it to one thing, uh, and they've got the same symptoms. All three of them could actually be being affected physically differently than each other. One of them, it might be, it's caused um, inflammation, that, like the, 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 the toxins have caused inflammation in the guts, and that is then sending off their, uh, their neurotransmitters are all messed up and they end up. Another one. Yeah, because we know 50, 70% of neurotransmitters are created in the gut. Exactly, yeah. Another one, uh, it's actually being caused because the body's immune system has massively overreacted for some reason to that vaccine and has caused and has produced 300 times the antibodies that it needs. And that's causing inflammation in the brain. Another one might be, you know, might be something else, but they can have, they can present with the same symptoms, but actually the, mm. the effect the vaccines are causing in the body can be different or the toxins in general can be different. Um, yeah. So sometimes we get uh, people and they've come with a lot of um, tests again, not from the UK because the NHS just won't even go there, but I've had you know Americans and people like this and they, um, so they've maybe done titers. They've looked at antibodies and things, and they can see. Look, my the measles and the and the um, rubella antibodies are sky high. So the the biomedical doctors, so not on in the mainstream, mm. the biomedical doctors put them on antivirals or something like that to try and to try and help that. And sometimes that helps a little bit. But I've had cases like that, and they're beautiful because you can measure it. Now mm. we can measure this. Mm. So now you can do the detox and then you can do the antibody test again and you see the, you see the numbers coming, coming crashing down. Um, and you can do that as well with a lot of these kids have high levels of uh, metals in their, in their bodies as well. Um, again, you can measure that and you can see that coming down as you do the, the detoxes. Um, yeah. Wow. So this is, yeah, my brain is like just exploding now with so many ideas and thoughts. So, so, yeah, I definitely, definitely remember this person. Something happened after they're like, I think they were three, four months old. They had all these shots. They came home. It's just a different person. And this person I knew quite well. And um, yeah, I was, I was amazed. That for me was when I really started questioning the vaccines because I saw it physically. I saw it. I know what had happened that day. Came home and it was just like, whoa, okay, and. You're right. So the thing is, um, you might not have the papers and the evidence and people will argue back, oh, these are safe and effective and what you're talking about is nonsense. But I know papers can be corrupted. There's bias. Humans are flawed. And the reality is I've now got to the point where I trust with what I see with my own eyes. Well, after, after the COVID thing, I think that's opened so many people's eyes up to realize this is all corrupt. No, nothing's real. And, and, it's a political decision to to publish something in a medical journal. It means nothing. It's it's or a or a financial decision. Right. It, it's just it, it's it's an uncomfortable place to be because you're, you think suddenly it, you're like, what's real anymore? How do I test? Because you can't accept everything because yeah. there is a lot of bullshit out there, and there's a lot of bullshit around homeopathy. I'm I'm as I was saying to you earlier, I um 
controversial. I've been a bit controversial in homeopathy <laughs> because I'm I'm sort of a practical, uh, grounded, hopefully grounded person, and I want results. Uh, whereas some homeopaths, it, it goes into sort of esoteric, um, it, it, talking about giving remedies to to heal past life trauma and all sorts of things. I'm like, I need things that are measurable and right. And yeah, that's not that that's stuff. a bit too much for me as well. Yeah, not not that stuff. And there's there's so the provings which which is you take the you take a substance sorry you take a substance you find out what it does to your body and then you know that remedy will help those symptoms. Um, there's now provings where they're just imagining what this thing might do, like uh, or they're giving remedies made from well one of them is made from dolphin sonar. First of all, I think how how did you collect that sample? That doesn't make sense to me. And there's other ones made from a color or a, a musical note or or people are actually doing that or Saturn or think, stuff like this. And I'm like, I am not comfortable. This is not my homeopathy. So hold on a second. So talking about Ed Griffin, I just love that guy. That conversation with him was just mind blowing. <laughs> Ed was saying to me, the biggest danger we face is controlled opposition. So and and with that, that same group comes chaos agents as well. And, and what do I mean by that? So you've got the controlled opposition, people who say what you want to say, and they lead you down a merry path, and it ends in a dead end. Yeah, it's it, it's designed to fail. Yeah, it's never it's never designed to win. Very clever. Very very clever. Very manipulative. Because people need the struggle. People need the hope. And you yeah. you give you give them the hope, but it's never going to win. Yeah. Right. It's it's a boxing match that was rigged from day one. The guy was, you know, yeah. lined up to fail. And then you've got people who are agitators and chaos agents who come into, you know, a group and discredit and sow confusion and just bring down, you know, the reputation. Do you think some of these people might be that, that they're literally just trying to trash the reputation of homeopathy even more than it is already? Or do you think, think these so. are just wacko people and they just they well, genuinely even, believe in it? Yeah, I'm not even going to say wacko. I'm saying just the type of person that's interested in astrology and more sort of esoteric stuff and that just sort of bleeds into the, the homeopathy i think that I, I think that's probably i don't think there's any sinister mm. but it doesn't help our cause <laughs> in my opinion no i get that and, and i think because of the there's the, basically homeopathy you can really see it uh, well you can see it personally with um um maybe your boss is not liking you doing the podcast but homeopaths have been under attack for well over well actually since it was founded they've been under attack if the apothecaries were after him after samuel hanneman because he was using such tiny amounts that they weren't they weren't making their normal profits and they were so he was hounded out of multiple multiple towns um wow so, so ever since it's the, it's the same story <laughs> with the pharmaceutical companies now do you but, know I, i'm not surprised because like um again i had barbara wilkinson up here she's from the herbal society british herbal society and she was telling me about nicholas Hallpepper, who is a proper doctor and um, but herbalist as well and he was very controversial and this is like way back yeah, about like the fire london time like 1600 he was 1600 and he was fighting medical corruption overcharging yeah. Um, he was fighting all the things that we're fighting now. Nothing changes. That's what's hilarious. And he was wanting to make medicine freely available and cheap and accessible to the common man. And what was happening was the doctors um, and the apothe apothecaries were holding on to the knowledge yeah. 
and only having it in Latin, yeah. charging high exuberant fees. And he was a radical. He was like, nope, let's translate it into English. Let's, let's not charge as much. And that was radical. And guess what? He died at a very young oh, age. Oh, did he? Yeah. There's Super young. What's the, what's the Charles Dickens quote? Um, every profession <laughs> is, a, is a conspiracy against the laity. I know it's a bit highfalutin language, but that's, that's basically what it is. Yeah. Yes, so homeopathy, I, I really like it because it's, it's, I call it open source medicine because, and you can't ban it. You could, you could close the, um, you could close the pharmacies. That would be the, that was, that's the, that's the pinch point. You can make remedies and friends of mine just, just to have done it. You can make your own remedy. How are you going to stop that? As, as, as long as you can get the, the, the original, the substance, the, the, the you know, the um, material substance. You can make remedies yourself. So there's no, <laughs> they're not going to, they're not going to stop it. I'm right. Afraid. So I want to ask you something. So when you, do you see people in face to face? Do you do it with Zoom, telephone? How do you do it? How do you, Zoom. how do you assess and then treat these patients? Zoom generally. So I'm more interested in the story, the, the, the timeline. So old fashioned homeopathy, they would bring the kid to, or, you know, the patient to, to your, to your office. And you would sort of really gauge what type of person they were. Because there's all sorts of things in homeopathy I haven't mentioned today. Constitutions. That, that's a good one. I, I, well, we'll go back to constitutions. Um, but because uh, it's something that medicine's forgotten, but it's a re- obviously a real thing. Um, and you would really assess the type of person they were. And you can go, oh, he's a pulsatilla or, you know, she's a cal- carb type person. But I'm, I'm going, I'm looking for the toxins because it's, this is, this is like a it's like a poisoning case, you know. So I'm more interested in the history. Like, Quick question: You know, you talked at one point. You said you give stronger. You give it stronger. Is it true? I've heard that the more dilutions you do, the stronger it gets. Is that the case, or is that not the case? Yeah, generally. So it's again, it's a it's a back to front, it's a back to front uh, idea. But yeah, it's kind of it's more. <laughs> it, it becomes more energetic. That's kind of because it's because it's there's energy. Each each potency is getting more energized. So by the time it's I've heard something about quantum physics, and it might have something to do with that. So what do back, you think? I don't have a I don't have an answer. That that's what we were talking about earlier with the with the memory of water or the what was it the the fourth state fourth state of water. Yeah, yeah. I I, I don't know that. I, I can just observe, I can just use it, and I can observe that it that it works. And I think probably you know in hundreds of years, it'll be a it'll be. It'll be um, measurable, and you can probably do it with a with a Star Trek device. Beep 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 beep. Okay, yeah, you've been, you've been, your energy's been reset. That's probably it. But at the minute, we're using. We we still need to. Use, it's funny you should say about energy. So, I had Jack Cruz. You, you probably don't know him. He's a neurosurgeon at in El Salvador, and he works in America and comes back and. He, he <laughs> I spoke to him and I had no idea what he was talking about, but it, was, it sounded great. But it was all about how we're magnetic beings, we're energy beings, we're beings of light. It blew my mind. And it's true. We are beings of energy. So you can, so you can see how you could go from that to yeah. to giving a, a homeopathic remedy made from the energy middle C on the piano. Because yeah. it's, well, it's just all energy, you know. <laughs> I have to. This is what I'm saying. I'm open to it. Dude, I'm totally, but listen, listen, look, I'm going to read this, right? So I was flicking through this book, right? 
And there's a part of me is like, oh man, explain this to me. It says back pain, back pain. So if you've got injury is the main reason for using Arnica, the back pain may feel beaten or sore and there is great sensitivity to touch. The patient complains that their back feels too hard, backache after any overexertion, such as guarding or heavy exercise, may be assisted by a few doses of Arnica. Right. How the hell is that possible? So I've been in a car accident. Mm-hmm. I was paralyzed. I was incontinent. I had a, a massive disc prolapse. I had emergency surgery. Mm-hmm. And then I had a complication. And all of it wasn't removed. I had spinal stenosis. Then I had cordyquina again. Then I had a second spinal emergency operation. So listen, that was like 15, 10 to 15 years ago. So I've got a degenerative spine, right? Mm-hmm. And most of the time, I don't have any problems. And I exercise, keep my weight down, and it's good. But you know, once a year, I have a flare up, and I, oh my God, it's bad. You know, if you look at my scan, it's shot to pieces. Mm. Now, I'm really struggling. How the hell is that arnica going to help my back? Might not. In that case, you know, it, it might be too. It's not going to can't can't um, can't cure a bullet wound or something like that. <laughs> so there's. I'm a, glad you there's said a that. Limit. <laughs> I'm glad you said that. So so we're not dishing out homeopathic medicine to to soldiers out in the field. <laughs> well, no, but that's soldiers out in the field. That's what Western medicine is really good at, I think. Battlefield medicine, trauma medicine. Yes. There's nothing else like it that yes. is as effective as that. No. I agree. Let's let's then take somebody But not chronic disease. Exactly. Let's take somebody that I know that has uh had a real trauma, the the husband left them and they ended up with uh, autoimmune arthritis. And they have been on the path for the last 20 or 30 years of ever stronger steroids. And that has not fixed it. So, so Battlefield, yeah, really good. What she needs is homeopathy, but she won't have tried. She won't, she's, she's a, she's wedded to that. She's a pharmacist assistant. She's wedded to the, to the system, even though it doesn't work. And she's, and she's in constant pain and has been for decades. What can you do? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> So oh. I was going to talk about the constitutions. Tell me, so, tell me. So it's an, once I say it, it's like, oh yeah, obviously that's true. Um, so th- I think this is probably exists in every system of medicine ever that's ever been around, except for the, the, the modern pharmaceutical one. And it just says that there are different types of people. So, and you can see it most clearly in a family. Let's say there's three brothers. They're physically different. They're, they've got different aptitudes. They like different foods. They get ill in different ways. 100%. Even though they're very close genetically, they grew up in the same environment. They eat the same food. They go to the same school. It's just different people in the world. Now, I've got three kids, right? One likes, oh God, breakfast is a nightmare. <laughs> Daddy, I want a boiled runny egg. Second one, I want fried egg. Third one, I want scrambled egg. I'm like, bloody hell. <laughs> just... And they're all like they all they all know what they want. They're tiny little wee things, and they just, they they're so specific. That's funny. But so so it's a it's an it's an idea that homeopathy has this different constitution. So there's particular remedies to help that constitution. You know, mm. so that type of person will tend to be ill in a certain way. Mm. They're prone to chest things, or they're prone to yeah. I, I, yeah, I just I just to decide, but there's there's so many little aspects of of homeopathy. I tend to specialize in the oh well, I'll tell you my other specialism. I tend to specialize in this the autism and 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 detoxing and things like that. But there's there's other aspects to it. So there's a thing that you might not have heard of called pandas. No, no. Pediatric autoimmune neuropsychiatric syndrome associated with strep. 
So it is chronic strep that causes neurological problems. That's it. Um, and it is a, it's there's a lot of it. And then there's another thing called PANS, which is basically the same thing, but um, uh, it could be another bacteria or it could be viral. But the PANS is a specific strep. And it's specific, it'll come on, there'll be a sudden onset, it'll come on. So mm. they wake up and suddenly <clears throat> they're so terrified they can't leave their bedroom, like complete crazy, or they're raging and throwing knives at their mum or, you know, all the rest of it. Again, the NHS is completely useless when it comes to this. It's being recognised more in uh, in some in some parts of America, and the treatment. So they're not even they're not even looking for it. They, they would try and they would try and give you some psych drugs. That would be it. Oh, rage. Okay, well you know whatever it is, give some yeah. Valium or something. I don't know. Um, so, but so the the biomedical approach would be they would give them antibiotics, like prophylactic antibiotics, and the protocol says antibiotics until you're eighteen. Wow. And sometimes trash your gut. And sometimes it can be dramatically like like that. Like literally start the antibiotics, symptoms gone, perfectly fine again, back to school. It's great if they come to me and I know that. It's like, okay, we've established this is bacterial, so that's good. So so I started treating these as a sort of second specialism because loads of my autistic um patients that the mums was were saying, Do you treat pandas as well? And at the time 10 years ago I didn't even know what pandas was I had to go and research it so it's kind of a it's it's a, again it's like here's like but in this case it's giving remedies made from the bugs so treating strep with strep so the idea is that you reteach the body to deal appropriately with that mm. bug and you can use it for anything well, Epstein-Barr or strep or mm. anything anything at all I had a case, I had an MR, MRSA case where it was a, a lady and she had a open wound and she had had it since the birth of her child 15 years ago, still open. It was infected with MRSA and they had tried everything. What, she had a sinus or something or, you know, the wound? How could it have been open for such a long time? Uh, well, it was weeping, so whatever was going on. I didn't actually look at it, but she was describing it as weeping and smelly and... Yeah. God uh, and she, so she didn't want to hug anybody because she was so conscious of sounds, sounds like a sinus. Oh, okay, and she, uh, they had they had tried everything, all the drugs. I think there'd been skin grafts, there'd been all sorts of things to try and fix this thing or cut cutting it away. You know, mm. nothing had worked. MRSA as a homeopathic remedy, like literally the first within the first week, pain had gone, closed, and then it took us several months. So like a month later, it was it was itchy underneath and red. And then the next month, it was not itchy anymore. The red was fading. And then the next month. So now that was several years ago. Perfectly, perfectly. Skin's fine. Not, no, not a mark. Gone. Dramatic. Can I ask you something? Listening to this, I'm just saying, thinking, you know, you're talking about months and treatments and, you know, the patient gets better. Quite a lot of people just get better with time. But she had that for 15 years beforehand. I'm just putting the question out there. Yeah, no, it's and I'm not just talking about even this, but like other conditions. Could it just be that, you know what, you're giving this thing, it's like a placebo. And um, and even that, I don't know how placebos work. Placebos, actually, if you look into placebos, that's mental. Yeah, you know, That is actually insane. I agree. But I would argue... 
I'm just being devil's advocate. Would it not be more likely that... So it certainly could be true that time could play a factor. Like if I start treating a kid at four Mm. and by the time they're six, their symptoms have improved. Could some of that just be time? Yeah. How how do you... You you can't exclude that. Um, But the placebo thing, often they have been to consultants and big fancy offices with white coats on. If the placebo was going to work, would it? Would that not have been more likely to be effective than me talking to their mum over Zoom? It, it seems it has to work both ways. There, you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> no, no, no. I get it. I get it. I get it. So, what would like? Is there anything that homeopathy can't treat? I mean, we've talked about trauma and you know all that kind of stuff. That's obvious. But are there any conditions where you think, yeah, you know what, homeopathic medicine is not very good for? It's great for chronic stuff. Um treating bugs and, you know, things like that, long-term uh, conditions. It's great for emotional trauma stuff. Um, I think of it almost like a detox. I've treated a lot of people with, you wouldn't believe some of the stories people have. Emotional uh, trauma? Yeah. How do you dilute that? That's coming back to that wacko quacko stuff. Like, N- Well, yeah, yeah, you're not diluting fear or something. No. This is what I mean. It, so, like, how, do you, how would you treat that? You're treating it. So a common, common remedy you would give for that would be Staphys agria, which is just a herb. Um, um, so if you took that herb in material doses, you would get the symptoms that that, that, that person is feeling. Oh, okay. The, okay. The, you're, you're just treating the symptoms. You're not actually. Got it. Got it. Got yeah, it. Yeah, yeah. Um, really good for stuff like that. But if I had a sore back, I wouldn't bother with a homeopath or, or, you know, um, frozen shoulder or something like that. I, I, you know, I wouldn't, I wouldn't. Bother. What about feeling down, feeling depressed, yeah. anxious? It can be, yeah, so it can be good for that, but, but they can, there can be 50 different reasons for that, can there? Sometimes it's just, go and do some exercise. Oh yeah, that's fixed me. Or, or, or sometimes it's, I'm in a, I'm in a, I'm just in a situation and it's causing stress for me and I can't get out of that situation. I'm, I'm in a situation right now. That's <laughs> <laughs> freaking stressful. <laughs> but yeah, yeah. No, you're right. I get that. I get that. But and then what about chronic conditions and autoimmune and allergies and asthma yeah, and that's, all that kind that's, of stuff? That's the bread and butter. That's what it's brilliant for. You know, that that stuff's uh, homeopathy really shines. Um, but as as we said earlier, like trauma medicine, it's obviously not trauma medicine. You know? Is it true that the royal family um, uses homeopathic medicine? Yeah. So their no, no, doctor, seriously, is yeah, that yeah? So their doctor has been a homeopath since Queen Victoria. And their one died recently, knocked off his bike in London and killed. Oh, shit. Conspiracy theories were all over that one. What was the name of that doctor? Fisher, I believe. Dr. Fisher. Okay. And, okay, fine. But do they still practice it? Like, yeah, yeah. So they, 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 they have, so the Queen always carried a, one of those, um, one of those boxes with her, um, wherever, wherever she traveled. I would presume Charlie Boy would be up to, into it, up to his eyeballs as well. Oh, King Charles. Yeah. God, he's actually King Charles. <laughs> so that's really funny. So like, what is it they know that everyone else doesn't know? That's what I would say. Well, you look at the history of this. Uh, so you wouldn't know from from TV shows, but 50% or it might have been over 50% of doctors in America in the 90, by 1850, over 50% of them were homeopaths. 1850? Yeah. You oh, wouldn't wow. even, you wouldn't even, it's just been written out of, of, uh, 
of the, of the historical record. So Rockefeller, so so nineteen eleven, something like this. Rockefeller commissioned this guy Fletchner. Uh, uh, yes, the Fletchner report. There we go. So that was against the homeopaths, basically. And there was another group called the. Um, I've forgotten their name, but there was another group that were basically herbalists and they had taken a, a lot of herbalism from Europe when they came over and then had absorbed a lot from the North American Indians. Um, they were after them as well. They were going after them. So at the end of that, um, they he managed to get it so that, that it was basically, you would have been sacked, you would have been sacked uh, for talking to me. So even if if a, if a doctor talked to a homeopath or was friends with a homeopath, they would be struck off. Dude, so, dude, we're not friends. <laughs> <that's> <laughs> I'm joking. Right I'm joking. <laughs> uh, wow. So yeah, they also successfully closed down the only women uh, medical um, training and the only black medical training in the country with the same report. <laughs> um, at, but a Rockefeller's uh, personal um, doctor was a homeopath. No way. But he was looking, so if you look at it, oil, he was looking for, because most drugs are made from oil, derived from oil at some yeah. point. Petro, petro, yeah. petrochemicals. Yeah. So you'd say it was a money thing, you know. So, but you trace it right through. We've been, we've been under, but sort of we, just natural medicine stuff's been under attack for, for centuries. But what's amazing, we Do you know what? I just feel like, I, sorry, I just feel like I support the underdog. <laughs> like um, you're right, but the herbalists, the naturopaths, the homeopaths—you know—you're vilified. You're made out to be crazy and quackery, and I think it's kind of unfair. It's like, you know, Barbara Wilkinson said, "It's not alternative medicine. Alternative medicine is modern medicine." Mm. Oh you yeah, I see what you mean. Yeah. This is this has been medicine as practiced through the ages for centuries. You know. Well, I think we have been. I think. There's a lot of myths in our culture now. Um, and one of the myths is this sort of myth of progress that everything was terrible and now everything's great and it's gone up in a straight line. Oh, God, dude, no, it's a freaking opposite. And a lot of stuff where, where they go into the history, it always starts in the Victorian times because they, they swept away so much stuff in Victorian times. It moved all the people off the land into into little houses in the cities to work in factories, so that's where they're starting from. But if you went back like a hundred or a couple of hundred years before that, people had a lot more freedom, uh, were eating much better, had understood a lot more about and much closer to nature, and, and understood a lot more about um, herbs and things like that. Um, I always think it's it's funny. It's like it's almost like everything was nonsense and none of it worked at all up until the 1940s and we had antibiotics and now we have a miracle of medicine. So doctors couldn't do anything before them. That's basically what they're saying. And that's, it's quite an ingrained belief that, that it's quite an arrogant is arrogant as well. Yeah. But it's quite ingrained and it's temporal arrogance, <laughs> temporal arrogance. And it's complete nonsense. I, I remember I was in the, the uh, natural history museum once. Uh, I no, do like that no, building. No, I, I, do no, like I that wasn't building. that one. Yeah. I'd love the building. No, it was a science museum. Sorry. And it was, the top floor of it has the, the history of medicine. Mm. And I was wandering through and I thought, am I in a storeroom or something? Because the lights were really low. There was absolutely nobody else there. And they had these like cuneiform tech uh, um, you know, bits of stone from 5,000 years ago, you know, with, with, mm. uh, with things written on it. And it was, I was like, oh, 
these are all our remedies. They were, oh, semisifuga. Oh, that, oh, that. They were, oh, it was all the homeopathic remedies that are still being used. They were using them 5,000 years ago. The, wow. the, Greek, the Egyptians were using it with sulfur and to treat, you know, skin conditions and da-da-da. Ipecac for, you know, for vomiting. It's like, this stuff was known and we have been, we've been, there's been a deliberate attempt of, of amnesia and a collective amnesia. Dude, I believe in that. Yeah. I think this collective amnesia of our past. Hmm. I'm with you. There, there, there was another thing I saw. It was HMS Victory down in down in Portsmouth Harbour. That the you know Nelson's flagship. So you imagine in in a wooden big wooden ship and there's cannonballs flying. The wounds were mostly uh, like splinters and things mm. like that. That's that's what you would have got. You would have expected. Obviously, this was when was this? Seventeen, seventeen fifteen or something. Whenever it was, I should know that. Um, Obviously, there was no antibiotics or anything like that. But the statistics, then the people that survived, the injured that survived, it was a really high percentage. You would think, oh, well, you're going to get infections and, and die. Or, oh, we had to chop his, foot, his leg off. Well, obviously, he's going to die then. No, they had a, it was a really high recovery rate, way beyond what you would predict. Um, so I don't know what they were doing, but it worked. Wow. Yeah, I think there's a lot that we've forgotten in our history. I so many things. Like I just look at the pyramids and think, well, who the hell built that? <laughs> it wasn't the Egyptians. You know, stuff like that. You know, yeah, I just yeah. I just feel like there's so much we just don't know. And what we're told is kind of like baloney. Isn't it funny that all religions kind of start from a certain time period? They don't go back more than 10,000 years. <laughs> oh, you're going with the old um, Prince of the God thing. What, what was his name? Uh, um... Yes. I can see his face and I can't think of his name. The ancient apocalypse guy. Yeah, I buy it. It sounds right to me. The fact that they were lining up certain constellations and you can tell, basically you were, you could tell they were dating when they built this thing by lining up mm. that constellation. It was only it was only lined up there. Graham Hancock. Graham Hancock, that was it. Graham Hancock. No, I, 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 I think I go with it. And there's nothing, there's, there's no problem it's not like we didn't have time to do that. There could be, there could have been, there's no problem in the, you know, in evolution. We had plenty of time to have earlier civilizations 50,000 years ago or something. There's no, there's nothing physical that, we, that says, oh no, we couldn't have, we didn't have, we didn't, we didn't have ears then, you know, whatever. Yeah, we, yeah. we were fully formed humans, you know, half a million years ago, whatever it was. Absolutely. So what's, what's been going on in, the, in our past history? It's quite, quite interesting. It's fascinating. Yeah. Is there anything else we haven't talked about with homeopathic medicine? Is there anything else we need Try to talk it. about? <laughs> um, well, I was just going to say, uh, sort of connected, but I think we are in a period of time, maybe that's why there's uh, the thumbs coming down. The internet and things like podcasts and websites and social media and things like this has exploded people's ability to, to uh, access alternative stuff that they don't mm. want that they don't want us to be learning about it's it's a great time to be alive to uh to have access to all this stuff it becomes a problem of curating it sifting through the crap and getting to the you know removing the noise and getting to the signal you know yeah 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 uh i'm just watching how they're have you seen canada are now going after uh, podcast um platforms yes i have it's insane. I'm I'm quite nervous about it because that you've got this online safety bill as well. 
Yeah. So someone, anyone could say what we're talking about is harmful. Yeah. And, and that's, and that's, and they've and, already made, they've already explicitly said, Oh, he's an anti-vaxxer. And just for the record, uh, vaccines work. You can't, like I had a friend. Are you an anti-vaxxer? Have you been called that? Oh yes. Oh yes. Uh, I have a friend who was a plant pathologist and she was, she was saying, you can, you can give vaccines to plants. You can, you can measure the, 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 the response from the plants. So they definitely, vaccines can work, but my, my position wouldn't be black or white. It would be these things, they're not as effective as they're pretending they are. And there's a lot more potential side effects than they're pretending they are. But in some cases they might be the right solution. I'm so not, I'm not completely not or yet. You know, so my take on it is, my take on it is one. We know nothing. <laughs> so first of all, we need to get some proper studies, proper randomized perspective studies with true placebos. None of this. Here's an adjuvant. Here's a cocktail of chemicals to compare with the vaccine. No, because you're not really comparing like for you know with a, well, a control group, especially because the adjutant. I can never say that word. Adjuvant. Adjuvant. I can never say it. Can often be the thing that's caused the... Absolutely. Absolutely. And often they say they have to have the adjuvant because without it, the vaccine doesn't work. And then you wonder, well, what's working? The the little toxin that you put in there, the damaged bit of virus or the adjuvant? Like, it doesn't... It's all a bit... Can I be honest with you? It's all, it's all a bit witchcrafty to me. You know, throwing in detergent and yeah. borax and aluminium and formaldehyde. And and, yeah. I mean... It's a proper witch's concoction. I mean, you might as well say eye of newt and frog's yeah. tail and whatever, frog, you know, yeah. frog's leg. Um, so basically, it's all, it's all a bit weird, right? But if you say, look, here's a study, and we put this stuff in, and we compared it with a bunch of healthy kids who had nothing but a sugar pill, right? And look at the difference. It was so great. It stopped diseases, blah, blah, blah. And you also informed the patient by the way, we made this and it's got all these funny toxic chemicals and mercury and aluminium and chopped up healthy aborted fetuses yeah. and all that kind of stuff and bovine blood and monkey blood and kidneys from dogs and God knows what else. Yeah. And if you still want to take it, dude, you know what? Go ahead and take it. Yeah. I don't I don't care. But my issue is when you say everyone has to take this, we're going to force and coerce everyone. We're going to force and coerce every child. And if you don't like to take this, we're going to ridicule you and ostracize you, humiliate you, close your bank account, close your bank account. That is, that's that forget hard sell. That's freaking mental. That's hard sell times a million. And worse than that. Like when they have a, when they have a, um, indemnity. So they, if you, Make a product which is faulty and kills loads of people. You're not liable. That's not a good incentive to do the right thing. So what's more quackery? What is more quackery? Saying to someone, try this homeopathic pill that might or might not work, but isn't going to really do any harm to you. And it's your choice. Or take this product which we've been indemnified against, which is full of toxic chemicals and weird shit. And if you don't take it, we're going to make sure we humiliate and ridicule you and punish you. And you can't get into university. Unless and you can't get into university and you can't study and you can't work yeah. and you can't travel. I would say that's the quackery. Yeah. Not, not this. Yeah. <laughs> and also like the insanity of it. We don't have it here yet, but probably it's coming. Hepatitis B, who, who are the at risk populations? IV drug abusers, yeah. prostitutes, there you go. stuff like that. So, Oh yeah. Let's give it to a little kid that's just been born. It, what what the frack? 
because they don't even discuss this, but the let's say the vaccine does work and and provides you with protection, it wanes over time. So so maybe it's waned, uh, and at ten years old, he's no longer protected against that. So what use has that? Hundred percent. But I would say, Alan, what happens if the vaccine kind of works in that it superficially you f- it makes you look like you're not affected, but actually it's making you unwell hidden below the surface it's causing autoimmune conditions it's causing other problems well, so you have this because there's an explosion of this that's, that's clearly what's happening so what i'm saying is like we, we talk about vaccines training the immune system what happens if it's not training the immune system what happens if it's impairing the immune system it's dulling it's the immune system dysfunction in the immune system in an unpredictable way unpredictable you know? way because yeah. human beings are all different we're all different yeah. shapes and sizes yeah. and we all eat different things we have different environmental factors we all got different genes yeah. so you know when you have this live biologic because it's a biologic um, it's going to have a very different interaction it's not like an aspirin pill that's standardized small molecule I had Headley Reese talking to me about um, drug pathway development you know biologics in which vaccines fall into they are completely different and unpredictable. And now put 50 of them into the body, all interacting with each other. Again, uh, about, again not, being, not being tested. They're not yeah, testing the cumulative ha- effect. 100%. Or, or the combinations. Or, the, or what the combinations. You know, because you're, you're right. You know, if you take one thing and you take another thing, A plus B, you might have a different reaction. Yeah. Um, you kind of learn that in nursery school when you mix the yellow paint with the green paint, you know. <laughs> you forget ah, it when you yellow, get Yellow, green, Mix it together. Oh, what you get? You get like a blue or something like that. You know, I think they've forgotten or deliberately so that actually when you add two different compounds together, they can interact. Yeah. And are there any studies to look into that? And then if you go to, you want to go dark and you, and you no, the answer is no. As far as I know, there's no, no. studies. And then if you want to go dark, you could say, you look at the encouragement to have, for elderly people to have um, aluminium filled uh, flu vaccines every season. Seven or eight of those over seven or eight years, what's that going to do to your risks of Alzheimer's? Cognitive. Cognitive decline. So aluminium, just for people who don't know, is not a normal physiological substance. So there's a lot of things in our body and, and metals like zinc and iron, and these are all good things, um, but you're not meant to have aluminium in your body. There's no physiological process that involves aluminium being in your body, and there's no way that your body can really excrete it or get rid of it, because it's a foreign thing. It's not... It's not from an evolutionary point of view, we we never had aluminium in us. So it's not good. And it goes into your brain and it can accumulate. And it's cytotoxic. It kills cells. It's not a good thing to have. And it causes, you know, neurological problems as well. Um, but they're adding it in these little vaccines. And it's like, what the frack? Yeah. <laughs> like, what? Yeah. I'm so careful about what I eat. I want to eat organic, you and know, then... have chickens and do this and be, have a clean, healthy life and blah, blah, blah. Yeah. And then it's like, yeah, take this shot. <laughs> no, thanks. <laughs> Is it vegan? <laughs> and I think that's another thing. There are so many people who are vegan and worry about what they're eating. Um, but you know, go along with this. But go along with these toxic ridden But I think so many jabs. people are waking up because, well, the COVID thing's woken a lot of people up because you realise it's all nonsense. It's It's all for money or it's whatever it is. But also there's more people waking up when their child is injured and then suddenly they don't believe any of it. And then the number, it's the normal story yeah. for, for when they come to me that they have gone down, the, they're on a keto diet now, mm. they are only having raw milk, they're only having... Do, 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 do. Everything gets turned around. Uh, so 
it's almost like there's a the seesaw is they're poisoning people so there's so there's so much chronic illness appearing and then people are waking up to fight the chronic illness and, and so <laughs> I hope so. I hope I hope people are listening to this podcast and spreading the message and this is how we win and I've spoken to so many people and it's the same message. We 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 can't wait for a savior. We can't wait for a politician to save us. A lot of them are controlled opposition. We have yeah. to save ourselves. And one of the things that I always look at for people who are out there in the freedom camp or movement trying to talk, you know, the good talk, good fight. If they're not talking about raising every individual and lifting everyone up to empower themselves, that worries me. If they're just like, follow me and trust me, my my BS detector goes, dun, dun, dun. controlled opposition or, or just ego. <laughs> or ego, exactly. And it's all about all of us lifting ourselves, being more knowledgeable, more informed, because if you are, then you're going to be in a better place to make the right decisions for yourself and your family and your health. You know, don't live in blind ignorance and don't just trust blindly the, the leaders, you know, be your own leader is what I'm trying to say. Um, listen, can I ask you something, Alan? Imagine you're on your deathbed. Mm-hmm. Let's say you're 165. You've lived a really good life. All that homeopathic medicine has been working wonders I on you. thought it was a red wine, but okay. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and you're surrounded by your family, your children, your great-grandchildren, all that kind of stuff. What advice would you give them, health or otherwise? And it can be more than one, before you pass away. That's a difficult one, isn't it? Not really. You're not supposed to... That's, that's an easy one, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> There's so many different things. Say it. I would, Tell me them all. It's going to be... It's going to be having doing something like you're doing here with the. Well, you want to be true, true to yourself. That would be the first thing because that would be just awful being a living a lie. Like the people that uh, go through life or have a career in some corporation. And, oh my god, I can't even, I can't even imagine. But I think having individual freedom is is so important. Like a house in the country with some chickens and. A stack of wood, you're covered for with a lot of. You're covered for a lot of things, you know. Whatever the, if the state turns out to be turns around and it's and it's better again, then that's all good. If it's not, then you've got some you've got some autonomy. So it's like working out how to have autonomy, whatever they throw at you. Maybe that would be the maybe that would be the advice. Get out of cities. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, listen, Alan. It's been really nice talking to you. I actually really enjoyed it. You know, it's an hour and a half, over an hour and a half gone like that straight away. Boom. Crazy. Flew by. It's been really nice talking to you. And I really appreciate you coming all this way. That's and, right. And maybe next year you can come back again. And um, when we get off air, I'm actually going to pick your brains if you don't mind. Sure. Um, everyone listening, um, I'm going to put Alan's links all up on my website so you can find them. www.docmalik.com um, Listen, Nothing's changed. <laughs> I'm still suspended. And I don't know how long it's... Uh, it might be a very long time before I can get back. Yeah, you maybe shouldn't have got me on. Yeah. Yeah, this is <laughs> definitely now in trouble. So, yeah, I, um, I, you know, I am fluctuating, but I'm, st- I'm positive. I'm positive. But out of my, you know, 1,300 Substack subscribers and 30,000 listeners, I've only got 200 paid subscribers. So if you can cough up, £3.50 a month um, 
it would seriously help ease my stress and make me in a better mood and more jovial. So please help out, folks. All right. Cheers. Bye, everybody.